Caution, the contents of this podcast may be historical, but they're still served piping hot. We're brewing up the classics here on the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. My name is Asa. And I'm Allison. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are good that you've heard the magical music of Claude Debussy. It's flowy, and it's airy, and it has such an impressive but non-traditional sound. It's very unique. But how did he achieve such a sound? As always, Asa, that is an excellent question. Thank you so much for asking. I ask only the best questions as long (laughs) as you script them for me. (laughs) And it's really good that you asked because we're actually going to be answering that in this episode. (gasps) Excellent. Stay tuned for the rest of the episode. So, Asa and listeners, you probably have heard the fabled tale of how Debussy visited the Paris exhibition in 1889. And yes, this is the very same exhibition that the Eiffel Tower was constructed for. Um, During this exhibition, Debussy is said to have returned time and again to the Indonesian pagoda that was erected for the fair. At this pagoda, Debussy got to experience the dances and traditional music of Java and Bali. And it's said that he took extreme inspiration from these traditional sounds and incorporated them into his own musical language. So we'll dig into the truth of this apocryphal story in a little bit. It's potentially not apocryphal, (laughs) but maybe just very hyperbolic. I see. Well, (laughs) we'll dig into the truth of Debussy's inspiration here in a little bit. But first, let's learn something about the traditional music that he heard there. So this music from the general area of Indonesia that is made up of several islands, um, as we listed Java, Bali, just a few of the, of the hundreds that make up this region. Yes. This music is generally known collectively as gamelan music, and it is played by a gamelan orchestra. And this term orchestra is actually used in this context because it's really a whole musical texture that's created by a conglomeration of various types of different instruments and voices rather than just a single instrument, single performer. So it's very akin to our Western classical orchestras with all types of instruments and sounds. But if you're only looking at Western classical orchestras, then you probably won't immediately recognize any of the instruments used in a gamelan orchestra. The melodic instruments may include stringed instruments called ribabs, that is bowed, the kelempong, that is plucked strings, metallophones, sound made like striking metal bars, similar to a xylophone in mechanism, but not really. Uh, this is called a gender or a wooden xylophone called a gambang, and I apologize for probably butchering every single one of those. I think it was a good crack at it, though. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, 
course, in, to carry the melody, there can be a number of different voices, either in solo or in chorus, male or female, etc. And in some instances as well, there can be a bamboo flute that is called a suling. Behind these main melodic instruments are instruments that play a background melody, sort of like what we would think of as a bass line. Many of these instruments are also sort of tuned percussion, and are usually made of metal and collectively known as the sarongs. But there is another semi-melodic instrument known as the bonang, which consists of several tuned gong kettles, again made of metal. must be a truly percussive element here to help keep the time. Now a big player here is the kanhang, which is a drum with two heads and each side is tuned slightly differently, one side being bigger and the other side being smaller. And of course there are various other gong type instruments that can vary in size and number for each ensemble. Now, the instruments of a gamelan orchestra are all highly revered and taken care of. There is a very reverential culture in gamelan music towards the instruments themselves. They are often addressed in a formal manner, like saying, Hello, good day, Sir Gong. <laughs> and as a musician is walking around the performance area, if an instrument is in the way, the performer must step to the side and bow to the instrument, rather than just stepping over it even though many of these instruments sit low on the ground. The tuning of these precious instruments is much different than our Western tuning system here in Western classical music. Uh, for more information on that and how our notes are derived, uh, go back and listen to our episode on tuning. Yay, we did do an entire <laughs> episode on tuning because we are nerds. <laughs> and you can be a nerd too. Yes. But getting back to our gamelan orchestra here, uh, we can make approximations between the gamelan tuning and the western tuning in an effort to kind of help transcribe the gamelan orchestra and to help composers overall mimic the sound. So what we end up with when we are transcribing this into western tonalities is often similar to a pentatonic scale or sometimes a whole tone scale. Alright, so while you listeners should absolutely go back and listen to that tuning episode, we're going to do a quick refresher right here about the Western theory. So of course we generally talk about the major and minor scales, which are based in part on the modal system, but regardless it's a seven note scheme that consists of the following tonal intervals. Whole tone, whole tone, half tone, whole tone, whole tone, whole tone, half tone, like this. And as a side note, you might also hear a whole tone referred to as a major second, and a half tone is a minor second. Or if we only played half tones, we would just play a chromatic scale. And so then translating this whole tone, half tone scheme into what the gamelan scale styles sound like, um, the first would be the whole tone scale, which it's exactly what you'd think it is. It has only whole tones. And 
and the pentatonic scale, slightly different and really not as readily derived from our major scale system. As its name suggests, it has only five notes, penta, uh, rather than seven. There are actually major and minor versions of the pentatonic scale as well, though. So the major pentatonic scale is whole tone, whole tone, augmented third, whole tone. And the minor pentatonic is minor third, whole tone, whole tone, minor third. So as you can hear, this doesn't really fit into our normal harmonic structure. But if we try to force it there, we end up kind of focusing on chords that aren't triads. Rather, we deal a lot with the sixth scale degree instead of the dominant or fifth scale degree. And this can even be extended to have triad-based harmony that usually would stop with, say, the seventh of the chord, i.e. the tonic of the chord, third, fifth, and then the seventh, like this. But in some cases now, these harmonies might continue to build up to the ninth, eleventh, or even the thirteenth. And by this point, we're dealing with a whole new triad on top of the original triad. Wow, what a sound. <laughs> what a sound. If this starts to sound a little bit familiar, let's bring it back, because there are hundreds of examples in Debussy's music that feature these non-traditional harmonic sounds. And since there are so many, we simply cannot go through his entire output and list every occurrence. But as you've been hearing in the background of this podcast, there is, of course, ready examples for your listening pleasure. Oh, yes. So let's cycle back to that Paris exhibition. It seems after attending the exhibition in 1889, Debussy's use of these harmonies really exploded in his compositions. And the music theory textbooks really still perpetuate this thought that W.C. learned of these harmonies through his attendance at this exhibition. And while he certainly was enchanted by the whole performance aspect of the Gamelon Orchestra that he witnessed, and we know this because he was talking about it and writing letters to people about it for years afterwards, as a professional <laughs> composer, he was already very well versed in these extended harmonic structures that really have been around for centuries. And what's more is that Wagner, whose music had influenced Debussy much earlier in his career, also utilized those big extended chords for his grand gestures. Now in recent years, scholars have tried to determine just what sort of performances Debussy heard at the exhibition. It has been speculated that he didn't actually hear the full Gamelon Orchestra at the time. Based on the record of the Javanese ambassadors who attended the exhibition, there were far fewer musicians than what would have been required for a full orchestra performance. So Debussy likely heard a toned-down version from the real performances that were heard in Java or Bali. So following in Debussy's perhaps fallacious footsteps with the Gamelon inspiration, there were composers such as Colin McPhee, who actually in the 1930s traveled physically to Indonesia so that he could witness firsthand and study the Gamelon performances in their true form. So whatever it was that Debussy did hear at the Paris exhibition, he certainly did like it. 
but maybe it wasn't the grand catalyzing spectacle the history books would like to make it out to be. Regardless, though, this story did draw a lot of attention and interest to these non-Western classical traditions that are just as rich and complex as any Western classical piece that we could look at. And if you'd like to hear more styles of gamelan music or learn more about the instruments, we will leave a link in our episode description to the Gamelan Nyai Swarawatian Ensemble that is maintained at the University of North Carolina. We got a lot of our information from them for this episode. Uh, they have very excellent resources and performances on their website for those who are curious. Yes, and those that the name of that ensemble will be in the episode description because I have no idea if that was pronounced correctly. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, it's okay. It's okay. I mean, you heard me in the beginning. <laughs> So thank you all for joining us for this sort of intersectional discussion of French Impressionist composers and the Javanese gamelan music that might have inspired him. And if you feel inspired by this episode to write a review on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts, drop that five-star review on Spotify. That's something that we would absolutely appreciate. Count it. One, two, three, four, five stars. Five stars, five <laughs> Beats per measure in the 5-4 time signature. Um, <laughs> five notes and, in the pentatonic scale. There you go. <laughs> there we go. There you go. And only two people who have brought you this information today. Thank you very much for listening for The Coffee House. I'm Asa. And I'm Allison. Thank you so much for listening. Excerpts of Gamelan performances were performed by the Gamelan Nyan Swarawatian Ensemble. WC's Images second series was performed by Jacobo Salvatore. WC's Dance was performed by Gerbuz. WC's Dance Secrie et Profane was performed by the United States Marine Band Orchestra and Master Sergeant Karen Grimsey, conducted by Major Jason Fatigue. You can find The Coffee House on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Email us at coffeehouseclassical at gmail.com.